Hey, teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. I am so excited to have you here for episode number 48. Today, I am talking to Ashley Bible from Building Book Love. Ashley is a secondary teacher. I loved talking with Ashley, and she's going to tell us all about teacher sabbaticals, which I bet is something you've never even heard of. The only experience or knowledge that I have of a sabbatical is the one that pastors take for a few weeks or months to reconnect with God, but Ashley informs us that actually your districts can provide a sabbatical for you. So listen up. She's going to tell you how to find out how to do it and how it works. We also talk about her workshop, Keep the Wonder, a workshop designed for high school English teachers, which is really unfortunate for me because I will probably never have a reason to attend the workshop, but they look so cool and they look like so much fun. Make sure that you follow her on Instagram at Building Book Love because she posts about it and they just look so awesome. Listen in as we talk about managing those high school kiddos, creative ways to engage our students, which can be applied to any grade, not just high school. Here's my conversation with Ashley. I wanted to tell you really quick that the audio in this week's episode is a little bit wonky. It was my first time trying to do something new and it obviously backfired in my face, Um, but we still have a great conversation. I know you're going to get a lot out of it, but just please be patient with the audio when it sometimes sounds like we're talking over each other. Okay, here we go. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hello. I am so glad to have you here and really looking forward to talking to you today. But I want to start by having you just introduce yourself to us and the listeners and me, because this is our first time meeting also. Yes, uh, my name is Ashley Bible, and I have been a teacher for 10 years now. I am a secondary teacher. I have taught grades 7 through 12, and I'm currently teaching at the high school level. I teach uh, seniors, and I really love the secondary level and especially high schoolers. Um, I probably would never go back to teaching middle school again. It was it was a lot of fun, but also one of the biggest challenges of my life, really. (laughs) The hormones? Yes. Um, (laughs) Well, it was my first year teaching too. So, Mm, you know, that is always a struggle. And then um, that mixed in with all the hormones and my discipline wasn't that strong. And so it was a lot. I really admire middle school teachers. (laughs) Now, how long have you been teaching? Did you 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been there a long time. Are you... Are you related to Amanda Bible Williams? Do you I, know who I'm talking about? I don't know. Um, okay, then you're, you're not. <laughs> is she famous? <laughs> uh, she's famous, like in the Christian world. I think she um, is like. I think she not wrote a Bible, but I no, I'm making that up because <laughs> her last name is Bible. She's something to do with like um, Christian women. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember what she does, but okay. I just, her last name sticks out to me because it's Bible. And uh, so same yeah, last it's name. a very unique name. Um, it's my husband's last name. And, you know, when I call people or whatever, and they ask me my name, they're like, can you spell that? And I'm like, 
the B-I-B-L-E is the, <laughs> like the, you book? Know, right? the book, the Bible. But my maiden name was actually pretty cool, too. It was Million. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so I often think I might, maybe I should have kept that, but we're good. <laughs> did you keep your Did you keep your maiden name I at kept all, or it just a middle name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, so you're doing some really, really great things in the education world, uh, which is why I wanted to talk to you. So, will you kind of share what you're doing? Obviously, you're teaching, but what you're doing outside of teaching right now? Well, right now, outside of teaching, I feel like I am. Uh, working an entirely another full-time job. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a Teachers Pay Teachers, you know, store and I blog and I recently started a workshop. And I started this workshop when I was on a sabbatical last year. And so then it was exciting and uh, I was so pumped up about it and I have and I had so much time to work on it. And so I came back to teaching full-time this year, and I'm like, yeah, we're still doing this workshop. And the girls that I have with me that are working on it with me, they are so, you know, excited. And, of course, we're doing it. So now I'm, like, putting together this workshop for 100 English teachers, uh, one in the summer, and then I'm doing another one in the fall. We get to be at a castle in uh, Salem, Massachusetts. So I'm really excited for both of them. But, um is a lot of work, but it is so worth it to be able to bring. It's called uh, Keeping the Wonder. And it's just about, you know, a lot of times secondary teachers feel like they can't be as creative or do like projects and like fun type things in class because, you know, high school should be serious all the time and rigor, rigor, rigor. And so this workshop uh, shows that you can be rigorous, but also still have fun in a secondary setting. So I think it's such a worthy cause, and that's why I'm working so hard on it. Um, but it's definitely been a challenge, and I hope that you know we do it as much justice as we did last year. We had two workshops last year, and it was just amazing to see teachers come in and get to meet them in person and. Um, you know, just share our passion with each other. It's It's been two amazing workshops so far, and we're looking to add more to it. Okay, I have a lot of questions. Okay. <laughs> so where where did the workshop, was that like something when you were on your sabbatical, which I want to talk about that too in a second, mm-hmm. but that kind of like was born in that time, or had you already been thinking about it? Like where did that come from? Okay, this is such a funny story. I am really big into like home design. I love mm-hmm. design and I follow this design blogger and they have a podcast too. It's called Young House Love. Oh yeah, I know that one. Okay, cool. Well, uh, she had blogged one day about this. She called it the cutest children's bookstore she had ever been to. And she blogged about it and she took these pictures. And so when I saw the pictures of this bookstore, I don't know, it just struck me, I said, I have got to figure out a way to do something at this bookstore because it was magical. It's called The Story Shop. It is in Monroe, Georgia. It's about probably 50 minutes outside of Atlanta. You would never know this town or never know to visit this town if, you know, somebody didn't tell you about it. But it is seriously the cutest bookstore I have ever seen. 
and uh, they have this huge table in their like little private um, room, and it fit twenty people. And so I thought, okay, if we if I can like somehow get twenty people to show up here, <laughs> we could have you know a really like boutique type workshop for English teachers. Well, after we talked to the the story shop, they said we could actually fit sixty if you kind of rotate them through. And so I planned out this whole event in about a month. And oh my gosh. yeah, mm-hmm. and which there wasn't much decorating to do there because uh, you'll just have to look up pictures. I mean, I'm looking right now. It is <laughs> so, so special. It is just magical. And um, uh, anyway, I just asked, you know, three other teachers who I felt like had the same mentality as as I do in the classroom about doing hands-on stuff with secondary students, about trying to capture that wonder from childhood and bring it to the high school level. And I just asked them, I said, hey, would you like to uh, do a workshop in about a month? And they all said yes, (laughs) which this was, you know, getting ready to go into summertime and teachers always think they have so much time, you know, in the summer, like our future selves are not nearly as busy as our present selves, but uh, we threw this together in a month, as I said, and it was the most special day. I had only planned on doing it one time. Like I said, I saw this bookstore. I thought I have to do something there, and this was going to be a one-time thing. Well, immediately after the workshop, I just felt this sense of relief. I was like, thank goodness we pulled that off. It was a beautiful day. All the teachers were talking about how it was the best PD they had ever been to and all this. And I was just like, wow, that was awesome. But, you know, I'm kind of glad it's finished. (laughs) But um, the other three teachers that I had invited there to do the workshop with me, they said, oh, my goodness, when are we doing this again? Did you know these teachers before? Like, were you oh, friends with them no, well, or just we social were friends. media friends? We were just social media friends. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's Stacy Lamb from The Engaging Station. It's Jenna Copper from uh, Doc Cop Teaching. And it's Abby Gross from Right On With Miss G. And we only knew each other through uh, social media. We had never met in person or anything. The very first time we met in person was the day before the workshop in Monroe, Georgia. We had never even seen the venue before the workshop. (laughs) You know, we had never met each other before this. We uh, met in a coffee shop that was right down the street, and that was the first time we had met. And then we go to the story shop and like, okay, I'll present here, you present there, this is how to work. And then the next morning at 7 a.m., we were in there, and guests started showing up around 7.30 a.m., and then we just did it. Um, <laughs> that was the, that was it. But they were the ones who encouraged me. They wanted to do it again. So I was like, okay, we, you know, it was really great with their encouragement. We'll do it again. And so the second one, um, we went to Richmond, Virginia. There is a, a museum there, an Edgar Allan Poe Museum, and it's really creepy. And we knew it would be perfect for October. And um, the only thing was it was an outdoor, like some, we could do some of the sessions in the museum, but once we had everybody together, all 60 people, it had to be outdoors. 
And I don't know what was in me. I think it was like the new year, you know, optimism and all this because we were planning this like in August. I was like, sure, it'll work out. It'll be fine outdoors. It'll be like a crisp fall day. You know, there was so much that could have gone wrong with that. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, We did buy everybody umbrellas in case it rained. And it had, um, I thought this was really cute. It had, uh, when it rains, it pows. (laughs) <laughs> were they they were from the museum no, I made I made them oh. for our teachers and so That's yeah cute. it was cute but luckily we didn't have to use it but it was um on a, it was like a hundred degrees that day even though it was in October it was so hot but the teachers who showed up had the best spirits um They were all, you know, happy to be there and they didn't complain about the heat. And I know they were just, they didn't have to be outside the whole time, but I know they were miserable. And I just thought, man, I'll never do that again, the outdoor part. But uh, Mm -hmm. here we are again and we're planning our summer one, which will be in Lexington, Kentucky at this place called Shakespeare and Company. We're all about finding like the venues now because Mm-hmm. What we like is just creating this special type environment, which no other PD, at least that I know of, does this. Like we want to make the teachers that show up uh, feel special and feel like they are there not only to be around other passionate English teachers, but to uh, be inspired and, you know, with the surroundings and with the content we are giving them. I think that's becoming kind of a thing. Is this more like boutique experience for PDs or at least um, actual teachers giving PDs versus like these huge, you know, like McGraw and Hill. Like I remember going to PD one time and it was like they were sponsoring these huge people that like aren't even in the classroom. You know, I think that's becoming more of a thing. Yeah, and I hope so because... um, I learn the best from other teachers, you know, and this is mm-hmm. especially more of a niche top workshop because it's only English teachers and it's only secondary English teachers. We've had a few elementary teachers reach out and it's like, will you ever plan one for elementary? And I'm like, well, probably not because that's definitely not our expertise. Like we teach high right. school and that's where our passion's at and that's what our content is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're telling me is that putting together a conference or a workshop without any knowledge of how to do it and a, a short timeline, like it's doable. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is doable. Yes. Um, uh, the first one, the organization was. I had a lot of, you know, I wasn't working. The girls, the other girls, they were working in May, but I had just come off from a trip and I was on my sabbatical. So I had the month of May where I put in full-time hours, like uh, planning the schedule. I had, a, I didn't even know how to sell tickets. I thought I had to get on, you know, <laughs> the Facebook and I'm like, does anyone know how I can sell tickets? And they said, oh, Eventbrite. Well, I find Eventbrite. I never even used it or knew what it was. And I had to figure out how to set that up. And then I had to figure out how to take um, purchase orders from schools. And I thought, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what I'm doing. 
But, you know, the bookkeepers in schools are just so sweet. And they said, okay, you need to make an invoice. Here's what it looks like. You need to fill out this W-9 form. And they walked me through it. And somehow I was able to just piece it all together. Now, one compliment uh, we got that made me feel really nice is after the workshop was over, the bookstore owner, she said, so how many of these workshops do you do a year? (laughs) I was like, well, this is my first one. And she could just, well, that's yeah, good. she could not believe it. She was like, oh my goodness. Cause she couldn't believe we had not even seen the venue until the day before and put all this together. Um, so that was a good compliment. It made me feel nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a pipe dream of mine. I think one day when we come back, I'm still trying to decide if I want to go back into the classroom or if I want to keep in this kind of like support role. Um, But I think it would be really fun to have some kind of conference or I think a conference is too big. So I like what you say, a workshop. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. So we have done two so far without making profit. And then this uh, year... We our budget. We're not going to make profit either. Except we've now included a virtual uh, workshop because we had so many requests for people who could not make it, and we sell out really quickly. So uh, there's a lot of people who want to come that can't get in, and we've set up a virtual workshop for them in which they can take all of our classes, but just not be there in person. All right, you've mentioned a couple times this sabbatical, so. Um, tell me about that. How, just tell me about that. Well, I personally feel that everyone should at least think about the possibility of a sabbatical, especially when they are first going into teaching. And that might sound a little counterintuitive because you're so excited when you first go, you know, get your first teaching job and all that. And that excitement will stay with you for a while. But um, I think it's just very, very common for teachers to feel a sense of burnout eventually or a sense of wanting uh, maybe just a change of pace um, or an adventure. And so if you set in your mind at the beginning of your career, like, you know, I'll probably at some point want a sabbatical, then you can start saving for it, you know, at the beginning. Uh, For me, I did not really think I didn't know what a sabbatical was <laughs> when I was a new teacher but uh will you tell will you say what a sabbatical yes, is just in case somebody um, doesn't it know. is just a uh, a year or a time period off of work to fulfill something professional or um just to take a break from work and usually a lot of people don't know this but usually it is in your teacher handbook um that your school will grant a sabbatical. This is very popular for college professors. Um, I know a lot of colleges require their professors to take a sabbatical. That way they can go out and like uh, travel for whatever their curriculum is or, you know, do a personal study. Like it's kind of a requirement, but it is more popular in the, at the college level. I know that my school had it in their handbook, and I found this out because a woman I admire very much, uh, she had mentioned one time that she took a sabbatical to finish her doctorate. 
And I was like, what is that? What is a sabbatical? And so I started looking it up and then uh, I, you know, found out what it was. And so ever since that moment, when I found out what it was and I was like, okay, I need to start saving for this. This is something I want to do. And our school, the way it was in the handbook, you had to travel. um, If you wanted to do the travel route, you had to travel to somewhere that was related to your curriculum. And you just had to like journal about it, which we have a, we wrote a blog. So that was good for that. Um, Or I could have gone back and got my doctorate during that year off. I could have done a number of things. There's like a list of things that would meet the requirement. And uh, they held my job for a year. And so I was guaranteed, you know, a place back to teach when I got back. And so that was a really big benefit. And it just like put a pause on my like uh, retirement and all that. So instead of having like a 11 years in as teaching, I have 10. Um, and so I just applied for it. My husband did too. Actually, we teach in the same system. And, you know, it's not paid or anything like that. You do have to save up for this. You're not going to get, or most schools, I don't think you would get any paycheck during this time. We didn't, but uh, we just wrote an application. We wrote a letter saying that, you know, we just wanted to take a year off so that we could go travel. We had never been abroad before, and here we are teaching. He teaches world history, and I teach British literature, and we had never been abroad. And so we said, you know, we want to go visit these places where we've been teaching and we want to be able to bring those experiences back to our classroom. And uh, they approved it. You know that like there's a ton of people right now that are either pausing the <laughs> podcast or about to pause the podcast and go find their handbook uh, and see if it says that. Was it in like your district yes, handbook? In the, dis- or your in the district handbook. handbook. In like, okay. yeah, in hmm. the information you get when you get hired, there's a little clause in there about a sabbatical. Oh, another requirement for me was that I had to have had seven years in with the system. So, okay. And when you say the system, you mean yes, like your district, district specifically? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so did they just hire like a teacher to f- like, what yeah, happens to the teacher? They when hired you come back? an interim teacher in both of our cases. Mm-hmm. And, um, both interim teachers, it just so happened to be that they had a chance to apply for another opening that came up okay. uh, when they when their job was finished. That's actually how I got my job. Uh, the teacher that I did an interim for, she um, took a year to be an instructional coach. And then she decided she wanted to come back into the classroom. And so just so happens this other teacher in our department was leaving to move uh, states. So I got lucky and got her job. Um, so, you know, it's not the best scenario to be a interim teacher, but it's definitely gives you a lot of experience and, um, Mm -hmm. they both got jobs. So what do you feel like you got from, like, do you feel like your passion for teaching has been reignited or like, do you feel more, excited to be in the classroom after that. Yes, I was, I miss teaching so much. I got you, as soon as you're out of the classroom, you forget all of the challenges, it seems like, and you you only remember the good stuff, you know, Uh, and so I miss the students. I was teaching online at the time, some, uh, not full time, but I was teaching online 
a little. And I did get some connections with students then, but it's not the same as in the classroom. You don't get those little funny moments and, you know, just being like a family together. Um, So I missed it so much. And I was so fired up to come back this year. Um, I had my classroom plan that how I wanted to decorate it and all this I went all out and it looks so cute but I will say that in my experience because I am running a business and I'm doing this workshop and I'm writing my blog and doing TPT um, I had so much more time to work on my business during that time, even though we were traveling, I had, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of creative space. Like my mind just went wild with ideas and I developed, well, that's how keeping the wonder even got started. If I were teaching like full time that that year, there's no way in May, you know how it is in May that I would have been (laughs) like, Oh, I think it'd be a good idea to plan a workshop in a month. Like that would have never happened. So I will say for me that even though it did reignite my passion for teaching and I wanted to be back in the classroom it also is kind of like a double-edged sword in that um, now that I am back in the classroom I don't have nearly enough time to work on my business so I have a little bit different scenario I, I tried to find blogs of teachers who had taken a sabbatical and there are a few you can find uh, not many most of them are in Europe because sabbatical is so popular in Europe for any profession not just teaching mm-hmm. but uh, you know everyone I read said that their passion was definitely reignited when they came back into the classroom mm-hmm. I can see that that tension of like because that's what I struggled with a lot when I was getting ready to leave the classroom um, because of moving to Germany. Like I still enjoy teaching, but my passion had kind of transferred to my blog and my podcast and my business. And so it's like, while I still love teaching, it's not what like, you know, makes my heart beat like my business does. So Mm -hmm. I get that tension. Um, And yeah, like it's nice to have the time to actually work on it. Like that's kind of the stage I'm in right now, being able, you know, to spend my time on that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I get that. That's hard. I'm going to assume that since you are listening to this podcast right now, which thank you for that, by the way, that you enjoy listening to things as a way to consume content. So what about also listening to books? I am a huge reader. My favorite kinds of books to read are Harry Potter, chick lit books, essay memoir type books, and personal growth books. But to be honest, it's really hard for me to read a personal growth book or even some type of historical fiction book because when I read, I wanna completely fall into a story and I usually read at night. So self-help type books are not good nightly reading for me. But you know what does help me knock off that huge list of personal growth books that I've got? listening to them. I can always listen to books while I'm riding my bike around town, while I'm walking the dogs, doing laundry, which is my least favorite chore. When I was teaching, I logged probably 40 miles a day in the car, so I got a ton of listening done then. If you too have a book list a mile long, then give audiobooks a try. Here's how it works. Head to my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash resources, and there you'll find the link to sign up for audiobooks. You just sign up and you get to listen to your first book for free. Then after that, it's $14.95 a month, and you get to listen to one new audiobook each month. Maybe, like me, you have a really long commute, 
and one book a month isn't enough. You can always buy more credits. Audiobooks now also allows their members to listen in a whole new way. You can start a book on your smartphone, pick up where you left off on your laptop, and even fall asleep while listening on your tablet. You'll never lose your place. With more than a million downloads and counting, I know you'll love it. Head to thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash resources to get your free audiobook now. Where all did you go? Well, um, I teach British literature, like I said. So, uh, of course, we had to make our first stop in England. And um, it was magical. Like, I got to see, you know, we went to Shakespeare's birthplace, Stratford-upon-Avon, and we went to all this stuff in London. Most of the museums are free there. And so I got to see the uh, Sutton Hoo, which is, I teach Beowulf, and it's the... um, you know, the armor that's like on all the British literature textbooks of this Anglo-Saxon, you know, headpiece. And I took my selfie with that and, uh, you know, I went to the Globe Theater and we did all the like British literature stuff there. And then I went to Ireland and I teach a lot of Irish writers and uh, we traveled around there for a while and then I went to Scotland which ended up being my absolute favorite I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and I did all the Harry Potter stuff in Scotland which I felt like a big nerd but I wouldn't have done it any any other way like I got to ride the train it's called the Jacobite and it's the train that's in the movies of Harry Potter and it goes through yeah the Scotland countryside it was the most beautiful like scenery and you're in this kind of vintage like train and it's just it's just magic yeah my husband and I are we're trying to plan out like our travel for the rest of the we're here for two years and so we're trying to like be really strategic about where are we going to go and when and Ireland is for sure on our list but Scotland I was like eh, I don't know and so I text my sister who just went there like a month ago should we go? And she was like, yes, because you like Harry Potter. You're going to oh, love Scotland. You have so. to go. I love Scotland for so many reasons, but you just have to go. You just have to see um, okay. for yourself. But yeah, Harry Potter is a big part of Scotland. Um, and then after that, we, let's see, we went to France and Paris, of course. And um, we went to Belgium and... Where'd you go in Belgium? We just got um, back from there. Um, Brugge and, um, uh-huh. oh, no. Brussels. It's the one in between. Yes, Ghent. Ghent. Yeah, we stayed yeah. in Ghent. Okay. Did okay. you like Belgium? We didn't. Yeah, we did. We didn't make it to Ghent, um, but we enjoyed Belgium. And then we went up to Amsterdam for like the second okay, half yeah. of the trip. I haven't been to Amsterdam yet, but. Did you get to see the tulips? It was fun. It was, we didn't really, I mean, I saw them, but we didn't go to like the big fields of them because my sister who was just in Scotland wants to come back next spring to go for the tulips. So I was like, let's hold off on that and, you know, do that yeah. when she comes. So were y'all like bouncing from place to place to place? I yeah, assume, but we like made it a point to stay in each place for, um, uh, one week or two weeks so just so we could really mm-hmm. get to see everything. Um, yeah. And let's see, I know this is bad. I'm like midway through the school year and you know how my brain's fuzzy, but after Belgium, did we leave? 
Okay, so we came back. At, I don't know if Belgium was our last stop or not, but we came back uh, for Christmas here in the States. And then we mm-hmm. actually left again, and we went to uh, Italy and Switzerland for the second part of our uh, year. And then we came back, and it was mm-hmm. April. And so I had April to just, like, kind of settle back in, start working on some lesson plans, get our journals finished from our travels. And uh, then in May is when uh, the idea of keeping the wonder came up, and I did that. <laughs> <laughs> What a cool way to travel the world though, with like kind of that lens of like what you're teaching, you know, related specifically. Cause I mean, we're just kind of traveling at like, Oh, let's just go where we want to go. But I think that's a it really was, cool um, lens to yeah, travel especially with. My husband, he's a history teacher. And so it, with my journals, it was all uh, literature related. So I had to, you know, visit everything I, everywhere I could think of. And it was so fun to look up like literary places in each spot for Switzerland, for example, mm-hmm. I would never think, or I didn't know anything about the literature there, but actually it was one of Mark Twain's favorite like locations. And then he has this trail there and it, you know, once you start digging, like, and you ha- need to match it to your cur- curriculum, you can find so many like off the beaten things to do. And it was fun. And then my husband, as I was saying, he uh, teaches history. And so, of course, he had a plethora of stuff that he could research and look at. And, yeah, we really grew. We learned so much on that trip. Probably, or I know, more than I learned Mm -hmm. during my master's. (laughs) Like, if you're, like, debating, (laughs) should I get my master's or go on this sabbatical? Like, if your goal is to learn more, you know, about what you're teaching, Uh I definitely think, the traveling's the would be the best use of funds. Yeah. And you just learn so much like being here in Germany, I've just learned so much about different cultures and different ways of thinking and the way people view things. And that also like is another thing you get from traveling, just like learning how different cultures work that, um, I don't know, just being able to bring that back to your kids and and share that with your kids, I think is really important because not all of our kids will necessarily get the chance to do something no, they like that. Won't. And I think that they, um, they love asking me questions about my travels. And I just, I just love ha- having stories now because when I was in school, mm-hmm. like I thought my teachers were so rich because they got to travel. Like I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> they must have so much money. And, but that's just because oh. I just think teachers, you know, naturally want to learn more about the world And so they made travel a priority. Uh And, you know, once I became a teacher and realized how much money I did make, I'm like, man, I got this time off, (laughs) but I don't really have money to travel. But, you know, we saved and saved and made it a priority. How long did y'all save to be able to do this? Well, part of our saving required us selling our house and buying a almost tiny house. It's not one that is like on wheels that you see on TV, but it's, very, mm-hmm. very tiny. It's stationary. And uh, we sold our um, other house. And so that gave us a lot of money there by downsizing. And so that mm-hmm. that process of selling and all that took about a year. And then I would say we saved for, I would say two years. But we sold, when we start when we sold our house, that was when we had already made our decision that we were going to do it. So 
It was about a two-year process. Okay. Yeah. But you like really went in. I mean, like yes. total life change. Maybe not total, but just like yeah, we I mean, downsized, downsizing. And, sold like you know. way over half of our belongings. We downsized like a third. Which again, like is something I'm learning from being here in Europe where everything is so much smaller. Like in the U.S., we just have so much stuff and we think it's all so important. Um, and not that stuff isn't important, but it's like when you sell all that and when you get rid of all that, you realize, oh, it wasn't like I was holding it really tightly. I know, and, I and it's so to. much money. Like um, we traveled for months with just a carry on bag, all the clothes that could fit in a carry on, because when we booked places to stay, we made sure they had, you know, laundry and Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I'm teaching and I'm, I feel like I have to have like cute outfits and all this. <laughs> and so my, you know, clothing budget is a lot more now than it was last year. I mean, I didn't buy mm-hmm. anything. I couldn't fit it in my carry on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. That's the way to go traveling that long in a carry on. Okay. I want to switch gears and talk about, some engagement ideas for secondary kids. So I'm primary, anything I pretty much share about on the podcast is all related to the younger kids, which um, is why I want you to share some things that you do with your kids to keep them engaged. Cause like you were saying, high school teachers either feel like they can't be as fun or creative or the kids I'm sure at the beginning kind of roll their eyes and, you know, high school kids, it just, God bless y'all for working with <laughs> well, them. Well, <laughs> um, I've never taught elementary school, but from what I understand, secondary teachers have to work a little bit harder in regards to getting their students captivated or uh, wanting to learn. I feel like, you know, elementary students maybe are more excited about school uh, than secondary students. So I just try to tap, in, tap into things that they naturally like um so for example they like to talk (laughs) and uh, a lot of our uh, best ideas and best lessons come from when we do Socratic seminars because and it's easy for me too um, because I just have them read a passage the night before or or a chapter and the next day we come in we get in a circle and I have a few different techniques I use, but basically the students the night before had to come up with uh, three questions that would generate discussion, two passages they think we should look at a little bit closer, and then one insight or aha moment they had while they were reading. And so when we get in the circle, they're already prepared at least a little bit. They have three questions they can use. So if somebody steals one of theirs, they have two more as a backup. And once the conversation gets going, like we have some of the best uh, insights in the literature that we could have. There's no way this would come from, you know, doing a worksheet or something like that. And they usually hit on every topic that I want them to hit on. Like if I were going to assign chapter questions or something, they usually hit on every single one I would assign. And it's just natural and they get to talk and we get to have a nice conversation in class. Uh, Another thing that I like to do is I like to bring in like real world type scenarios that they would uh, enjoy. Um, 
I like to do STEM projects with these. And, for example, one would be, since I said that I live in an almost tiny house, I became kind of obsessed with tiny houses. And so I created this uh, tiny house assignment to where they get to design a tiny house for a character. And they get to use floorplanner.com. It's free. You get one design free. But they get in there and they have to design what this character would need in a tiny house. Like they have to boil it down to the basics that they would need and like what design they would put in it and all that. And they have to back it up with evidence from the text. Well, every time I do this assignment, after it's finished and after they present, they all ask me, they say, can we erase this and make our own now? Like they want to keep using, they love anything that is kind of like touching on their future because, you know, a lot of my students, mm-hmm. I actually have some that already live on their own, um, and they're planning for where they're going to live, the type, their dream house they're going to have, and stuff like that. So anything I can tap in, tap into this like real world, they love that. Oh, and then I um, recently started using. Well, a few years ago, I started using podcasts, which you'll appreciate. But uh, anytime that yes. <laughs> I can use a podcast in class they go wild. They think it's like, especially if it's interesting, of course. Um, But I started using Serial. I don't know if you've listened to season one Mm -hmm. a few years ago, and that hooks them more than any book that we read because it's about, you know, high school students, and it's this really intense um, uh, interview process where you're trying to get down to the real evidence and what's true and what's not. And uh, this past Halloween, I used this uh, podcast. It's called Spooked. And it's just this really great storytelling storytelling format. It brings in like this mood music and all this. And it talks about kind of ghost sightings. And we did that in uh, pairing with, oh, the ghost scene in Macbeth. And so. Okay. So do they do they listen to we the listen in class? Well, when I do serials, since it's a long series, I do have to assign some for homework, mm-hmm. and they actually want to do homework. Like they want to listen to the episodes ahead, and I try to tell them, like, "Wait, don't listen to that mm-hmm. yet." If especially if it's something I want to do, I know that's hard with serial. That's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how fun is that? Like. I I was always really like anti homework unless it was intentional. Like I, I was not a fan mm-hmm. of like just random worksheets or whatever, but something like that where they like can get excited about and be engaged yes. in. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And then would they, would y'all like just, how did, how did you relate cereal? A unit for me, we just did it as a literary nonfiction text. So we uh, compared like, Mm-hmm. informational text, how the writing style would be for that compared to this kind of literary nonfiction genre. Were you always creating these engaging lessons with your kids? Like, did this start your first year? Or was mm-hmm. this something that kind of came yeah. with experience? <laughs> um, well, I tried to start this my first year of teaching. I've always been a creative person and I've never been afraid to for a lesson to flop or to fail because I just know that everything's a learning process. So if something flopped, you know, I would reflect on it and change it. Um, but uh, my first job at, at, at a middle school, it was 
with a uh, principal who did not appreciate my creativity. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, the best first year teacher ever. I really wasn't. I had a lot of it, things I needed to work on, like discipline and different things, but I did have some good ideas when it comes to lesson plans, but she did not appreciate. She thought that they should be sitting in rows and working on worksheets. So, um, I left that school and I got hired at a place that really valued innovation and creativity. And they just kind of let me, you know, run wild. Like as long as I am addressing the standards and my students are doing well with the standards and mastering the standards, they don't care, you know, what means I reach those standards. So I did, I've always been creative and I've always enjoyed, you know, coming up with these lessons for my students. I don't do it all the time. I don't, um, I have a really strict rule about, I don't bring work home. Now my first few years, of course I did. Every new teacher does. But as I got more into teaching, I said, I'm going to get this done on my planning. I'm going to be creative and have these engaging lessons when I can, but you know, I'm not going to beat myself up. Every lesson can't be wow worthy. You know, sometimes you just got to get in there and do the work. I think that's really important that you said that because I think right now that that with the Instagram and Pinterest world, like, you know, you can look at somebody like, of course, we're going to post our most engaging and fun lessons online. And I think that we can get caught in thinking that, oh, Ashley's doing these amazing lessons all the time or so-and-so is always, you know, got this really engaged activity, but I mean, that's not the truth. Like, you can't, you can't always be like that because also then the kids lose, I would imagine the excitement when it's always something yeah, like, do. do you get what I'm trying to say? Like if it's always this huge then engaging it, thing right. then it just and, becomes, um, sometimes what I'll do, and I've been trying to post more of this on Instagram because like you said, you know, on days that I don't post anything, it's because we just did like regular stuff that, you know, you're not going to take a picture of a a book they're sitting there reading silently like <laughs> or, or, or you know whatever um, <laughs> I just don't post about those because it's just normal stuff but I have been trying to do a better job of when I just have a regular day just saying well we did this like for example um, uh, sometimes I'll put on uh, ambient sounds like the fireplace I my favorite ambient sound station is a Harry Potter. It's called ASMR Rooms and she makes Harry Potter ambient sounds. So like she has like the Gryffindor common room and the fireplace would be going. And so I like to put those on. Yeah. But I just put those on and I was like, all right, you know, you're going to read this section independently. And then at the end, we're going to discuss it. Like that's a normal day sometimes. And I'm always surprised by how I have a lot of students who appreciate that down time to where I'm not like pushing them to do something or putting them in groups or, you know, I do try to sprinkle in all these different strategies, but some days we just have independent work and that's okay. Yeah, it is. And I, I'm glad that you said that. Cause I think that that is something that teachers need to like be reminded of and know, you know, even somebody like you, who's doing all these great things, like, you have normal, yes, regular, quote unquote, normal days, days too. 
Could you real quick, cause I know we're kind of running up on our time. Do you have any, like you mentioned your first year, like discipline and mm-hmm. behavior management was a struggle. Are there any like two or three things that you would, um, tell a new teacher coming into secondary to do to kind of avoid that mm-hmm. or maybe lower yes. that? Um, one reason I struggled so much is because I didn't get hired until school had already been in session for eight days and the students had a substitute mm-hmm. before I got hired. And I am like a huge proponent of Harry Wong in the first days of school. Oh, I didn't know this back then, but when I was trying to, yeah, now I am. Now so you are. <laughs> I did kind of have intuition that that was going to be bad, that they had a sub those first eight days. But um, after that year and after my discipline that I knew I needed to work on that, I got the book first, I think it's called the first week of, or is Harry Wong. What is that famous book? The first First days. I think it's first days of school. And I read that and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. So when I got my new job, I was so um, strict about our first day of school. Like I had it planned out with procedures and all that. And then the first week of school, we follow those procedures. And you will hear, you know, elementary teachers talk about how procedures are everything. And um, I have been able to lax more on that as I've grown into my discipline, but as a second year teacher in that high school, I feel like my procedures with my secondary students, they were everything as well. Like I had, you know, from Mm -hmm. when they first walk in, this is what they do. And then we transition to this and then we do this and you can mix up your lessons, but try to keep your time structure, you know, something that doesn't change. Like for me, one of the best things I've done is I have added independent reading time to the beginning of class. So they come in and every day it's no question. We read for 10 minutes silently. They get to read anything they want to read and it calms them down. It creates like a chill vibe at the beginning of class and they get into it. They're reading more. Um, I love doing it. And then after that 10 minutes, we transition into vocabulary time. And then after that, probably like that's usually lasts about five or 10 minutes. And then after that, it's our main lesson for the day. And we follow that structure every single day. And that has helped me more than anything. I don't really um, have a lot of discipline problems because it's very structured. And then also, I will just say that if you have a sense of humor, um, you'll be much happier <laughs> because <laughs> secondary <laughs> students or any students, you know, like being funny. They like when funny things happen. And if you can just kind of laugh it off, if it's not anything too bad and just move on, then you're just going to have a much smoother class and a happier work life because they're going to act out sometimes, you know, and try to make you laugh and sometimes there's a lot or most of the time it is so much easier just to kind of laugh and say, okay, here we go. And then just keep teaching. Mm-hmm. When it builds yes. that relationship aspect with them that they yes. crave so much. So, well, thank you for sharing all that. Can you wrap up by telling us um, where we can find you in your TPT store about the workshop? And then also, um, you still have your Instagram for yeah, your Yeah, I feel like I have like right? too many 
that's how my brain okay. works. As you can see, I've got like way too many things going yeah. on. But <laughs> girl, I'm the same way. Um, so I understand. So you can find me at Building Book Love, and that's TPT, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, Building Book Love. Our Keeping the Wonder is just if you just type in Keeping the Wonder Workshop, you can find that we have uh, different locations for that. And we also have a virtual option. And then all of my travel related stuff on Instagram and the blog is called uh, Teaching, no, Teacher Travel Sabbatical. Teacher Travel. Okay. And I'll link to all that. I'll link to it all in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for sharing all of um, your ideas and everything. I'm so excited to know you you and got to chat with you. I loved Ashley's ideas for making her lessons real world. The tiny house lesson. Oh my gosh. I would have loved that as a kid. Actually, I would still probably love it now. And Ashley mentions her almost tiny house on the podcast. She kind of talks about it. And then that night after we got off, or maybe it was the next day. I don't know. I saw it the next day. She actually did a tour of her almost tiny house. Um, And it was so cool to watch. Maybe it's on her Instagram highlights. I'm not sure. Go check it out. But I hope that you will go find Ashley. Follow her at Building Book Love. She's doing great things for the education world. And like her and I talked about, it's so encouraging and refreshing to hear great people doing great things in the education world, admitting that not every day looks like what gets posted on social media. I think that's something we all know, but it's so good to hear that. And such a good reminder that we all have our highs and we all have our normal and we all have our lows. So thank you, Ashley, for sharing that. And I hope that somebody finds encouragement in that today. And I will see you back here next week to share 10 things you can be doing right now to get ready for the upcoming school there. And I will see you back here next week to share 10 things that you can be doing right now to get ready for the upcoming school year. Until then, enjoy your summer break if you are on one, or if you're listening to this during your school year, keep on teaching, teacher friend. You are doing awesome things. Teaching is so incredibly overwhelming, and the start of the school year can be so fun and exciting, but also really overwhelming. One of the biggest questions or the struggles that I saw teachers asking last summer was, what can I be doing right now to get ready for this school year? I saw both veteran teachers asking that and first-year teachers. But my constant answer to that question was, work on your behavior management plan, outline your routines, and decide how you want to organize your classroom. Those are like the three things that you could be doing. But this year, I have an even better answer than just those three things. The Kickstart Your School Year course was designed to help you start a new school year. Whether you're a first-year teacher, you're an experienced veteran teacher, you're going to have clear, actionable steps for setting up and organizing your classroom, as well as a detailed plan for managing your students and starting your school year on the right foot. You can get all the info you need at thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash kickstart. I am so pumped to finally be launching this course that has been an idea in my brain for a couple of years now. This course is designed to help you, the overworked, busy, stressed out teacher. We're going to walk through how to plan for self-care, create detailed management plans, discuss how to organize and decorate your classroom in a way that works for you. And you're also going to think about how to create your plans for the first few days, first week of school. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can get all the information and sign up for the course. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at thesimplyorganizedteacher. 
guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you. So come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.